the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Thursday, January the 21st, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 21, 2020, the United States reported that it's had its first known case of a new virus circulating in China, Wuhan, China. A Washington state resident who had returned the previous week from Wuhan, the outbreak's epicenter, was hospitalized in the Seattle area. U.S. officials, we remember that well. U.S. officials stressed that they believe the overall risk of the virus to the American public remained very low. That was one year ago today. Today in 1793, during the French Revolution, King Louis XVI, he was condemned for treason. They executed him on the guillotine. Today in 1915, the first Kiwanis Club dedicated to community service was founded in Detroit. Today in 1924, Russian revolutionary Vladimir Lenin, he died, 53 years old. Today in 1942, pinball machines. Remember those pinball machines that used to be everywhere in restaurants and stuff? Well, today in 1942, pinball machines were banned in New York City after a court ruled they were gambling devices that relied on chance rather than skill. Not everybody agreed with that. The ban was lifted, but not until 1976. Interesting. Today, in 1954, the first atomic submarine, the USS Nautilus, it was launched at Groton, Connecticut. Today, in 1976, British Airways and Air France inaugurated scheduled passenger service on the supersonic Concorde jet. That jet had its day, and then it became outdated very quickly. I guess there's a number of those that are sitting somewhere People see them when they fly into the city. I can't remember where they are, but they, they have them stored somewhere on a at an airport still. Today in 1977, on his first full day in office, President Jimmy Carter pardoned almost all Vietnam War draft evaders, draft dodgers. Today in 2003, the Census Bureau announced that Hispanics had passed blacks as America's largest minority group. And today in 2019, first-term senator and former California Attorney General Kamala Harris, she entered the Democratic presidential race. She took on Joe Biden, and she laced him almost every debate they had. Harris later withdrew from the race because, actually in December, because... Well, there wasn't any support for her from her fellow Democrats. Now, today, she's vice president of the United States. Interesting, isn't it? A lot happened yesterday, and a lot didn't happen. There were people sitting near President Biden yesterday, 
on the stage there that were wearing body armor. Yeah, bulletproof vests, the whole thing. They really expected America to attack, especially Republicans, especially conservatives, anybody who had any association, even a thought that maybe President Trump was a good president. That didn't didn't happen. I read somewhere that there were about a thousand people who were admitted into the ceremony itself, the inauguration. And if that's true, and it probably is, that looked about true from pictures I saw, that means there were 25 military personnel for every one that was attending the inauguration. Pretty amazing. The New York Post noted in their reporting of it that Bill Clinton seemed to be falling asleep. A closer look reveals that he did. He went to sleep during this. Chris Wallace, the guy at Fox that I, I'll go out of my way not to listen to him, I will tell you, and a number of others on Fox now as well. Chris Wallace was saying yesterday, he said it three different times that I saw in the press after the inauguration, He said it on Fox, and then he told some other news organization. He said, Joe Biden's speech is the best inaugural address that I have ever heard, and I've spent my life covering politics. I think that says more about Chris Wallace, perhaps, than it would about Joe Biden, but that's how Chris Wallace summed it up. But Bill Clinton, (laughs) former President Bill Clinton, was nodding off during the inauguration ceremony. There's some brief video clips that are out there showing Clinton, and he shouldn't be doing that. He's only 74 years old. Goodness sakes, he could stay awake during that whole thing. But it shows him with his eyes shut. There's a TV camera that's panned over to him, and there he was. And he wasn't just contemplating the deep thoughts that Biden was was espousing from the lectern. No, he was he was asleep. In fact, there's a male voice Nobody seems to know who it was, but there's a male voice on a cell phone that CBS News, um, their broadcast, was broadcasting it live. And you could hear this this voice on this cell phone, this man talking. And he said, Bill Clinton is absolutely asleep. Get the camera off of him. Bill Clinton is asleep. Apparently, Bill Clinton didn't think that was the greatest speech he'd ever heard, but he was there. Even though he slept through it, he was invigorated to socialize after the speech was concluded. Kurt Mills, he's a, um, a writer with, I think it's Reuters. He said, wow, afterwards, Biden has wanted to be president and has been adjacent to presidents for a half a century. Whatever you think of him, he said, this is the triumph of ambition. Well, perhaps it is. Some attendees were wearing special masks with inauguration printed on them. But as I said, they were sitting close to the president as he was inaugurated with body body armor on. Nothing happened in Washington, D.C. yesterday, but predictably it did in Portland, Oregon and Seattle, Washington. It's interesting how the press covered that. I wanted to just touch on this for a moment today. Then I want to talk to you about the Bible, about Biden's Bible, Joe Biden's Bible. Um, yesterday, 
Associated Press, or this morning, rather, reporting on yesterday, Associated Press came out with this story. It begins like this. It says, a group of protesters carrying signs against President Joe Biden and police marched in Portland on Inauguration Day and damaged the headquarters of the Democratic Party of Oregon, police say. If you read that, that's the first paragraph of the Associated Press they put out, not only nationally, but internationally. If you read that first paragraph, you're in a hurry, you're on your way to work or whatever, you read that first paragraph, what do you think? Well, there goes those Trump people again, those white supremacists and all whatever all they're supposed to be. That's what you would think. Associated Press continues. Second paragraph. Some in the group of about 150 smashed windows, sprayed, uh, uh, spray-painted anarchist symbols on the political bo- uh, party building. Police said eight arrests were made in the area. Some de- demonstrators carried a sign reading, We don't want Biden. We want revenge. Well, it must have been those Trump people, right? I mean, there they go. We knew they were going to do this. But you have to read down seven paragraphs before you get to the point that these people were not pro-Trump people at all. They're Antifa and a few Black Lives Matter. They formed a group to go in and break and loot and trash property like they've been doing for more than a hundred days, all summer. And you think, boy, in that one city, but at the bottom of the story, Associated Press says, and a group of about 100 people also marched in Seattle on Wednesday where police said windows were broken at a federal courthouse and officers arrested three people. The last paragraph of their story says, the crowd called for the abolition of immigration and customs enforcement. And at that point, the casual reader, if they read the whole story, and people usually don't, they read the first paragraph, second paragraph sometimes, maybe three paragraphs, and that's it. But in the last paragraph of this Associated Press story, it says the crowd called for the abolition of immigration and customs enforcement. That's ICE. So if you're a thinking person, if you're informed, you would say, hey, wait a minute, those aren't Trump people. They're for ICE. They're not against ICE. Without saying these are Trump people, that whole story that was put out internationally would lead you to believe that, yep, they were right. Those Trump people, here they come. We've got to control them and whatever, blah, blah, blah. The Washington Times is a, based out of Washington, D.C., is a moderate to a little bit right-leaning newspaper. They're not really to the right, but they're, they're conservative. They said their story, and they're pretty widely read, their story on the same thing began with this. Leftist protesters caused chaos chaos and mayhem in Portland late Wednesday, chanting slogans against the police and President Biden, vandalizing Oregon Democrat Party headquarters. Then they go on to say in the next paragraph, arrests were connected to vandalism at the Democratic headquarters, but the rioters who damaged also damaged immigration and ICE enforcement building, showing 
that they and through rocks, eggs, and vandalizing, and so on, showing that they were nonpartisan. They're just upfront about their story. It's interesting because we live in an environment in an environment that just hasn't happened since Biden became president, but it's been more and more and more leaning to the left and trying to mislead, actively trying to mislead the public. Truth has always been kind of a lonely warrior, but now they're trying to isolate truth and create their own truth, and that's what progressives do. But the media seems to have been given over to this whole idea of misleading America and shaping the mind of America, what we think and what we read, and how we process what we think is happening in our culture and in our communities. Axios is a far-left media organization, far-left. They put out a story this morning, and they did a survey. And I looked at the survey, and I saw the company that did it, and they're pretty legitimate. Otherwise, I wouldn't even trust Axios, although they're pretty consistent with their far-left rhetoric. But they put this poll out this morning, and this poll found that 56% of Americans know that journalists and reporters are purposefully trying to mislead people by saying things they know are false or are gross exaggerations. Even a larger majority, they say, 58%, know that the most news organizations are more concerned with supporting an ideology or political position than they are informing the public. Only 18% of Republicans trust the media, while 56 57% of Democrats trust the media. And in this study, I noticed, I just took a few minutes to look at it. There's more than this, but this is makes my point. In this particular study, 46% is a, that number is a collapse from 57%. Last year, this same polling company took this same poll with the same questions, and it's collapsed from 57% to 46% in trust. 27% of us, all people, regardless of their party affiliation politically, 27% of us trust social media. Well, that's what happens when social media, and it is, it's owned and run by far-left ideology, Zuckerberg, Dorsey, these guys. I mean, they're flaming leftists. And you go on Facebook and you read this stuff. You go on Twitter. You go on Instagram. You go on all these things. TikTok is owned and run by China, the Communist Party, as a matter of fact. We go on those things and we say, wow, I saw that. Is that true? I didn't know that. It probably isn't true. Most of the time it isn't true. People are on their posting who are paid to put up their opinions, which are not their opinions, but they represent, I mean, they may be, but they represent someone who is paying them to be posting on social media. And it goes on and on and on. The great deception. There's always been that great deception from the first encounter when Satan had a chat with Eve in Genesis. And he began to question God, and he began to question God's authority and even God's integrity. And he said, Eve, Eve, God is good. God surely he would not make you die if you just eat this fruit. I mean, maybe he said that you shouldn't eat it, but there's not going to be any real consequences because God is love. That's the launch of the human race in regards to 
deception. And you know the rest of the story. Here we are today, and nothing has changed. The way we carry the message has changed, but the message is the same. It's a message of deception. And boy, if there's ever been a time when we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and keep our minds and our hearts and our understanding focused on God's Word, and we need to be looking at things that are going on in our world today because it's out of control, it's chaotic, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. I do believe. I do believe there's hope. I'm not hopeless at all, and I'm not discouraged. I'm disappointed. I didn't want Joe Biden to be president. A lot of you didn't either. 73, 75, whatever the number is, million of us did not vote for him, voted for Trump. But he's now president of the United States. But I'm hopeful. I will get through this. God is going to be with us. God's going to help us. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 41, he said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. Yea, I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Peter wrote in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, he said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time. God will raise us up. We just stay true to him. And then Peter said these words, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I know a lot of people are stressed out. I mean, it's it, it's apparent, and the reason for it is legitimate, I suppose. I mean, we all know that things are not going well, and we can kind of see the future of where this thing is going politically and in our culture. There's a group of people that are Christian people that are in denial, and they're saying that, well, we don't think Christians should even be involved in politics. Well, they talk about politics all the time, and they talk about kind of being above it all and sort of more advanced, perhaps more uh, elitist than other fellow Christians who are groveling around in politics, which is dirty and we shouldn't be involved in that and so on. But we all know where this is going. We're not sure of all the steps it'll be taking, but they are racing. The party that's in power in the United States of America today is racing toward what would be ultimate destruction should not God intervene. The policies that they're putting in place day one are not only bad politically and economically and socially for our nation, but they stand against Almighty God himself. Which brings me to Biden's Bible. Did you see that Bible in any of the pictures? Man, it's a big Bible. I've been in the ministry all of my adult life. I own a bunch of Bibles. We've got a ton of them in our in our house, in our library, our personal library. Man, it's it's a big one. It's probably six or eight inches tall, lying flat, and it weighs got to weigh several pounds. It's hefty. Well, that's the one that Biden put his hand on yesterday to become the president of the United States, to be sworn in. Biden says that it's been in the Biden family since 1893. He says he's used it every time he's been sworn into a political office, and that's been several times, because he spent his whole life as a politician. His late son, uh, or the late Bo Biden, his son, 
He also used that Bible when he was sworn in to a political office. So I, it got me wondering when they featured this Bible so much, and this is not unusual. I mean, presidents have done this since George Washington, but I got to thinking, I wonder, I wonder if Joe Biden ever reads that Bible. I mean, it's probably none of my business as just a little guy out here, but it did occur to me. And I wondered if, if he ever reads that Bible. The big old Bible that he used, it has an accented, it's accented with a Celtic cross. He says it's followed him through his whole political career, which spans his entire adult life. That's all he's ever done. Run for office, be a politician. But Bibles have always been important to U.S. presidents. The Constitution requires that an incoming president take the oath of office, but it doesn't require them to place their hand on the Bible while taking the oath. George Washington, he actually initiated using the Bible by using one of his own, swearing in at his oath, the first president of the United States. Most, but not all, presidents have followed Washington's lead. President Trump, as you may recall, used two Bibles, one his mother had given him when he was a boy, the other, the one used in the swearing-in of Abraham Lincoln in 1861. President Obama used Lincoln's Bible. In fact, he often said when he was president that he compared himself to Lincoln, Barack Obama. He also used one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s Bibles. President Biden says, quote, every important date is in that Bible, that family Bible. And I thought, like the Exodus, like Moses' Exodus? No, no, no. Every important date in his political career is in that Bible. He's written it in there. Well, I understand that because we have a a family Bible or two, and we have a big one as well. And there's a lot of notes that are written in there and things. I mean, that's not a bad thing to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But for example, he says, every time I've been sworn in for anything, the date is inscribed and there's some journal entry or whatever. Professor Seth Perry, he's an associate professor of religion at Princeton, he said it's difficult to imagine the ritual of the inauguration happening without that book. This guy, Mark Diminuation, I think that's the way he pronounces his last name. It's a it's an odd spelling. But anyway, he's head of the Rare Book and Special Collections Division at the Library of Congress. He was talking to the press yesterday. He says some, sometimes incoming presidents, he said, they use an open Bible to highlight a, highlight a particular text that was special to them, that has special meaning. He told the New York Times that there's electricity in using historical Bibles. He said, and I'm quoting him, he said, it's been ensconced in these objects that really would seem to be nothing more than a book, these Bibles, but it carries the weight of its moment in history. The Bible means different things to different people, of course, and including presidents of the United States. Many of our presidents have seen the Bible, though, as more than a book with journal entries or a kind of a calendar event of how many times I've been elected to office. They see it as much more than that. In fact, George Washington said, it's impossible to govern the world without the Bible, without God in the Bible. Andrew Jackson said, the book, sir, is the rock on which our republic rests. Abraham Lincoln said, quote, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through the book. But for it, we could not know right from wrong. How insightful. How true. 
We're running around today in a culture that doesn't know right from wrong because we've closed our Bible, put it on the shelf, and we have <clears throat> discarded it. Ulysses S. Grant, <clears throat> he said, <clears throat> excuse me, he said, quote, hold fast to the Bible as the sheet anchor of your liberties. While its precepts, hold its, write its precepts in your hearts and practice them in your lives. Many other presidents, in fact, most of the presidents, have affirmed the importance and the preeminence and authority of Scripture. Not just about a family Bible or the history of the Bible, the printed piece itself, but about, about what Scripture actually says, what that Bible communicates. Some have even affirmed its infallibility, that it is the infallible Word of God. Ronald Reagan said, within the covers of the Bible are the answers for all the problems men face. Not within the covers of our family events, how many times I have been alive. I don't mean that critically. I'm just making a point. In seeking to diminish the presidency of Donald Trump, the press, particularly yesterday, went to great ends to identify all the problems that President Biden will face. But I'm wondering, will he... Will he look at any of these problems that supposedly Trump has created in America? Will he look at them through the lens of Scripture? This Bible that is so important to him. Will he look within the covers? Or will he merely see it as a family artifact with records of his own successes and his own accomplishments? I think I'm getting a hint, and probably you are as well. On Saturday, while announcing his science team, now President Biden assured whoever was listening that he will follow science and truth. But his actions already indicate otherwise. Terry Jeffries, editor-in-chief of CNS News, they're a, a Catholic-based, uh, they're Catholic. I don't think they're associated with the Catholic Church, but a lot of the guys are Catholics. So I think Jeffrey is. But they're very conservative at CNS News, and I, I read them pretty regularly. And they do a good job. He noted that Biden has abandoned both science and truth already, and he has. He pointed out the hypocrisy of Biden's choice for Dr. Dr. Rachel Levine. I talked about Levine yesterday, and I, I don't have time to get into it today, only to say that Levine is going to be the Assistant Secretary of Department of Health and Human Services, and Levine is transgender. Levine is a man who was married to a woman, and they have a couple of kids. He divorced her 10 years ago and said, no, I'm, I'm a woman. Well, Jeffrey makes the point that biologically you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. And he makes the point from a medical and a scientific point of view. I made the point yesterday from a moral point of view. But when you're born, when you're conceived in your mother's womb, you are either male or female. <clears throat> you're not sort of in between or the opposite. You just aren't. There is no science to support that. So he's not following science. He's not even believing in science. And if this man is that confused, how will he do running or helping to run HHS? I will tell you. Truman said, the fundamental basis, President Harry Truman, a Democrat, he said the fundamental basis of our nation's laws was given to Moses on the Mount. The fundamental basis of our Bill of Rights comes from the teachings we get from Exodus, St. Matthew, from Isaiah, and St. Paul. 
He said, hold to the Bible. And I would encourage you to do the same. We'll continue our conversation tomorrow. Thanks for being with me today.